0: This is Free
1: Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. I don't know, Mark. Should we start with the drunken astronauts, or should we start with the new outrageous uh, pot propaganda? I like drunken astronauts. All right. Well, according to the AP, after drinking heavily, an astronaut flew on a Russian spacecraft and another was cleared to launch on a space shuttle. According to interviews by a panel of outside experts, the panel's chairman said on Friday, in the case of the shuttle, the mission was delayed for mechanical reasons, and the astronaut, who was drunk, wanted to fly a jet from Florida back home to Houston. Woo! <laughs> Uh, Richard Bachman Jr., the head of the panel, created to assess astronaut health, said he didn't know the outcome. Quote, I love this statement here. In none of these can we say factually they did or did not occur. Now, what are you investigating then anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, He added, speaking by telephone to a news conference in Washington, he said it was not the panel's mission to investigate allegations and that NASA would have to ferret out the details. And I'm sure they're going to do a bang-up job of that. uh, the, The same people that allowed these astronauts to fly drunk in the first place will do a great job of investigating. The independent panel was created by NASA after the arrest of astronaut Lisa Nowak on charges she tried to kidnap her rival in a love triangle. Don't forget the diaper. What's what? She she wore a diaper from
2: her in um on her trip. From, oh really? I think it was I think it was Houston. I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, maybe she's incontinent. To uh no she she uh, wore it so that she wouldn't have to go use the bathroom on the trip. She wanted to make sure she got there as quickly as possible. Ew, interesting. Uh, <laughs> just like an
1: astronaut might wear a diaper. You on really, a, an, on a uh flight. You really have to. I mean, I've never worn an adult diaper before, but they would really <laughs> have to. They'd really have to be pretty bulky, wouldn't they? They'd really have to, to be absorbs, uh, absorbent. I, I think it's, it's likely. Because adults do a little bit more down there than uh, than little kids do as far as volume is concerned. Yeah, yeah. You could try Trying to be as clinical as possible here.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I can't imagine walking no, around. I can't respond after, to it. I'm sorry. Like, I can't imagine. I, mean, that's, I don't imagine she did much walking around. That's a lot of weight as far as around your
3: are you just talking about the diaper or the no, diaper and its content? If it's full,
1: <laughs> I, I would. I bet she really hopes she didn't get pulled over. Oh my goodness! NASA is. Uh, NASA said it's unaware of any astronauts who were drunk before a flight, but it was investigating. Deputy administrator, whoever, said the panel provided no details and didn't verify the troubling revelations, and promised the space agency would pursue the truth. Say, okay, we're we're gonna pursue it for five seconds. All right, we're done. No more pursuing. Bachman, an aerospace medical specialist with the Air Force, said his panel deliberately didn't seek out uh, pertinent details such as exactly when the heavy drinking occurred. The overriding concern, he said, was that flight surgeons were ignored. Quote, there's certainly no intent to impugn the entire astronaut corps. We don't have enough data to call it alcohol abuse, and we have no way of knowing if these are the only two incidents that have ever occurred in the history of the astronaut corps or if they're the tip of a very large iceberg. NASA has a long had a policy that prohibits any drinking in the twelve hours before an astronaut flies training a training jet. The space agency says the policy has historically been a- applied to space flights too, but as a result of the panel's report, the rule will officially be applied to space flights. An astronaut code of conduct is also now in the works i I, I
2: don't know i you know they they say that uh, you can't drink twelve hours before flying uh, I mean, it sounds like these guys were tying one on, heavily drinking, Mm -hmm. is the terminology used here. That is the term. Um, I think about some of the times when my last drink was, you know, 12 hours ago, and I had drank heavily in that time frame, and I don't think I'm ready to fly at 12
1: hours. (laughs) Barely ready to drive, let alone fly a space shuttle. Yeah.
2: I think that, you know, if it's 12 hours for... Uh, Aircraft pilots, let's go crazy and say 24. 24,
1: 36 maybe even? Fine. Throw caution to the wind. Mm. Uh, Yeah, here you go. The astronauts drunk before flights, possibly. I mean, we have a rule here on Free Talk
2: Live. You can't uh, imbibe any uh, mind-altering substances during the day
1: prior to the show. Isn't isn't that correct? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I mean we've never really had a, a specific rule, but we did have a co-host at one time who came to the studio a little uh, drunken. It's uh, and it wasn't. Once. It, it <laughs> didn't make good radio, and so I asked him not to do that anymore. Well, we haven't had that problem since then.
2: I've always considered it a, 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 a policy of Free Talk Live that uh, I not imbibe any kind of uh, a mind-altering substance. For
1: me, that means beer. You, you um, did come up with that one time. That there was an idea you came up with a while back that um, you had sh- shared with me. It never actually came to fruition, but you had wanted to, I guess, go into a parking lot with the police department. Oh, yeah. And uh, and get, like, drink five shots or something like that and and, and just see, see how, how you drove. yeah. Uh,
2: I've, I've, the you know, DJs have done this in the past, and I just thought it would be interesting to do such a thing, to um, you know, do a drunk driving test, see how it goes. Because they, what they do is they do shots, but the thing is, is I just don't want to have a headache, Ian. And that's really the problem. I don't want to drink a whole bunch of shots to the point that I'm really messed up and have a headache. And, no, not interested.
1: So where, what's the issue here? I mean, beyond the old issue of, well, let's get NASA, you know, get rid of it. Let's get the government out of space travel. I mean, can we address this from any other perspective? Um, beyond that one. Well, I mean, government agencies are going to protect their
2: own before they right. uh, protect the, uh, the, the the taxpayers' dollars. The tax you know, the taxpayer is not being protected here. All our money is be- a huge amount of money is being invested in NASA, and they're protecting their astronauts that are drinking heavily before, um, you know, within 12 hours of they're drunk while flying space shuttles.
1: You know NASA didn't want this to get out right I'm sure they were very upset that they even bothered hiring this independent panel or appointing this independent panel because that's why this came out they uh, again they appointed this panel to investigate the astronaut who was kidnapping her rival in a love triangle uh, or, or trying to kidnap her rival. So somehow, in the process of this independent group investigating Which, that... Which, by the
2: way, I, I see no reason that NASA should have been involved in that anyway. I mean, the simple fact that um, one astronaut was in love with another astronaut and went and shot with a BB gun um, a woman that that astronaut had had relations with, I don't, I, I don't see that... I mean, if they worked for Greyhound, would Greyhound have investigated this? I mean, it's the simple fact that they're astronauts... It's newsworthy, and the diaper, um, yeah. you know, that made it all newsworthy. I don't know. It doesn't, it, NASA shouldn't have been investigating it anyway.
1: Well, so this information has come out. Inevitably, if uh, if this was NASA that had uncovered this information on its own, we wouldn't have been, it would never have seen the light of day. Absolutely It true. Uh, would totally have been shoved under the rug. I don't even know if they would have even dealt with it internally. You know, who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have even, maybe they would have uh, disciplined the guy and, Maybe there will be some discipline handed down as a result of this. I mean, they are saying that they're going to implement an astronaut code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, please. I wonder if that will be as
2: successful as the uh, the list of things that NASA intends, intended to do by
1: whatever date. Um, have you ever seen any of these lists? Yes. The, uh, and the in ludicrous. fact, Harry Brown has that list in his book, The Great Libertarian Offer, the list that shows their goals for the space program and how they haven't even come close to reaching them. Mm. That list. Yeah. Yeah, NASA is a dismal, pathetic organization. Everybody seems yep. to just have this worshipful attitude towards them because they're exploring space but uh it, they're doing it at a price tag that's probably 20 times larger than is necessary maybe even more than that it's incredibly inflated because mm-hmm. of the usual uh situation that applies to bureaucracies they don't they you know they're not responsive uh, responsive to the marketplace uh they don't have incentives to do things right if they blow a bunch of if they blow a billion dollars they'll get another billion right. so even matter. worse with
2: NASA um nobody has anything to compare what NASA does with anything else i mean they build spaceships at least when you're,
1: uh, well, do we do have a, a comparison now because the private, we uh, do now. private space industry U- is open. Up, up until now, we have not had it. Um, and when you do the comparison, it's striking.
2: Um, whereas a state government that's building a road or something like that, people can get a get their minds around how much maybe a road should cost. Mm-hmm. Whereas, ooh, excuse me, um, whereas they they can't get their minds around, um, you know, what should a spaceship cost? Who knows
1: right 5 billion dollars there's a certain dollar amount where people's minds just they don't Poof. compute yeah. What is it, uh, Julia? Weren't you telling me this the other day? Like a thousand? I or can't remember what the number is.
3: But Penn and Teller did an excellent episode on it, and it was called Numbers, and it was just about how at some point in time numbers get too big for people to even understand.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, the fact is, this organization, this government bureaucracy, is just as slow and competent as stupid as other ones. It just happens to have a few more eggheads, so maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little bit more intelligent. But it doesn't make it more efficient. It doesn't make it less bureaucratic. It needs to go. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickles, CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. And those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you on the house at freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. Dot net. Let's go to the phones, to the fun amplifier line. Brian in Colorado, you're on Free Talk Live.
4: Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Hey there. Uh, uh, what, a week ago or so? Maybe a week and a half, I don't know, I'm getting behind on my podcast. Uh, you were talking about cigar tax. They're going to raise this tax from a nickel to
1: $10, $10
4: or something like up, that? Up to
1: $10. They're looking at a maximum of $10. I don't know if it's really been nailed down, but that's uh, it's in the cards.
4: Oh, man. Uh, what, a 20,000% increase in the tax?
1: Right, and that's a federal tax. There's obviously state and local taxes then on top of that. Okay. And you should well, be happy about it, citizen,
2: that we didn't raise it more.
4: <laughs> well, I, I've been uh, smoking uh, an occasional cigar since I was, oh man, in high school, and I, I got an early uh, uh, kind of preference for Cuban cigars. And I've tried this, to smoke the, uh, you know, Jamaicans or even the Dominicans, and they're getting better, uh, the Americans. Cigars are, are, you know, just horrible. Um, but, but I have been getting Cuban cigars. You know, whenever I leave the country, I always come back with a box, and you know, risk getting uh, busted by um, uh, customs. You know, if they catch catch you with that.
1: How do they not uh, catch you?
4: Well, you just you just you, you take the labels off for one thing. Uh. And if they do if they do find them, you know, they've got to prove, or you know, they just take them. It, it's it's customs after all. Right, right. But um, yeah, a few years ago. I uh, uh, hooked up with a, with a company in Geneva, and now I'm working with a company in Grand Bahamas. Uh, we, we were on our honeymoon a couple of years ago, and uh, that's where I'm getting them now, and they ship them by FedEx.
1: So, hold on, hold on. So, the people in the Bahamas are getting them from Cuba and then shipping them to you via FedEx.
4: Right, actually, uh, Grand Cayman in, in this case. It's,
2: um, so, there's a business, uh, you know, a business has sprung up black marketing Cuban cigars. Because Absolutely. they're
4: outlawed. Well, the, the the cigars are outlawed, but also uh, if this kind of tax takes off, you know, ten bucks a cigar. I don't even pay ten dollars for the whole cigar. Mm. Uh, this kind of these guys are going to be sitting pretty down there because they can charge you know an extra five bucks and still be cheaper yeah. than the, uh, the the cigars that are illegal to get in in the U.S.
2: Yep. See, this is the this is the thing that the uh the politicians and the bureaucrats don't figure in when they're doing their math. They say, well, this is how many cigars are being sold here in the United States that are reported. Um, so we can expect to make this much money if we tax them ten dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. how they do their math. And it's you know once you tax it, then a certain amount of people are going to say, I'm not going to smoke that cigar today. Some people are going to say I'm never going to smoke another cigar, and some people are going to say I'll just get my cigars through some, um, you know, offshore cigar company. There are still, they'll still sell cigars, absolutely true, but not as many. Maybe well, maybe your local okay.
1: weed dealer will start selling them too. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a uh, marijuana is a gateway drug to uh, <laughs> cigars, or vice versa. Uh, so yeah, what, what happens then is. They they say okay we're going to do ten dollars you know times how many millions cigars and we're going to fund this program for this this many millions of dollars it's in the budget now when the tax or when the, yeah, when the tax causes the uh, demand uh, the sales of these cigars to drop off by half or two thirds then they're going to have to make it twenty dollars or thirty dollars a cigar. Uh, what happens on. when they so run they the cigar
2: them. companies out of business and the only cigars that you can get are black market cigars?
4: Right. When, when is there a war are on cigars alive?
2: at that point? <laughs>
4: well. I don't pay any federal tax at all now. I don't even pay the nickel because I get it, you know, for, uh, the, on the black market. Good for you. Already. That's awesome. No, not, not because of this tax, but just because of the Cuban embargo. And right. I happen to like those cigars better. And, and he, takes the, uh, he takes the bands off, my, my friend George. He takes the bands off and puts them in a, in a box that says, um, you know, 25 Churchills, uh, uh, you know, Grand Cayman made in Dominican Republic. <laughs> and then, and then he, he shoots them through uh, FedEx. And I get them, you know, like a, a two days later. They're still Sweet. nice and fresh. And, and then I get I get the bands in a in a plain envelope, you know, the next day or a couple of days later. And so I just glue them back on if I want.
1: That's funny. <laughs> Very cool, man. I, and good luck with that. I hope you don't get investigated as a result of this phone call, Brian. <laughs> All the feds listening to the show, they want to track you down. If your name is, in fact, Brian. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, Brian, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate thanks. hearing from you. 800-259-9231. So, yeah, um, I remember when we were reading that story, one of the reps from the cigar companies, uh, one of the cigar companies in Tampa, basically said, well, you know, if this keeps up, we might just shut down operations. It's likely to uh, put out of
2: business the fringe cigar companies, the little ones that are kind of hanging on, the uh, one-man operations Mm -hmm. where, you know, he just, uh, in his spare time, rolls some cigars to make some money. Or just
1: importing them or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could very well. Not good. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Are you a cigar smoker? And if this goes through, this new proposed ten dollar tax—that's per cigar. <laughs> Even if it's five dollars, it's uh, tremendous. So that's a—that would be a ten thousand percent increase.
3: How much does a cigar cost?
1: That's a question for Mark. I mean, i, I, I no know idea. it depends
3: on the cigar. It but... really
1: does
2: depend entirely on the cigar. But you can spend five to twenty on a cigar. You can get—you can go to the drugstore and spend. Uh, $2 on a pack of five, but uh, they're not exactly the same So quality. if they
3: had a $10 tax on a $5 cigar, you're paying more to the state than you are for the cigar. That's right. correct. That's insane. They
2: don't care whether they run cigar companies out of business.
1: They want people to not smoke them. They think they're stinky. So wow. my question for you, if you're a cigar smoker, is if this tax goes through, and it's, pro- it's inevitable that they're going to increase the taxes... If it goes up to five or seven or ten dollars a cigar, what's that going to do to you? What's that? How is that going to affect you? And Mark, well, you buy sort of the the cheapy cigars, I, right? You know, and sometimes I'll uh, I'll splurge and get the
2: expensive ones, but I'm, on a I'm, nightly basis, I'm thoroughly addicted to um, the cheap cigars. Yeah. What do you spend per week on cigars? Uh, I I don't know. I have never uh, considered the number. Let's uh, say ten cigars. That's two packs. So you uh, smoke two a day. Five. Um i two days, a day. Yeah, one to two a day. Uh five bucks. It's five bucks a week, so yeah. but there's ten cigars there. Likely these will it will not go um in into effect on those cigars. Oh really? Okay, that's right, because it was for premium cigars. Right. Huh. It it wouldn't make any sense to take a cigar that uh, essentially costs thirty five cents and add ten dollars in taxes to it. I wonder, um
1: I wonder if there's somebody who's pulling strings like are the, uh, the cheap cigar manufacturers, you know, are they bigger? Are they doing more business than the premium cigar manufacturers? Are they more uh, politically connected than the premium manufacturers? Are they, why are, Maybe why there's are there's a set of taxes on
2: those? I, I can't imagine for a second that the, uh, the, that the cheapy cigars are, you know, using the, the government to target the premium cigars.
1: Well, because the article is only about the premium. So you're suggesting that maybe the cheapy cigars are going to have their own tax increase. It just may not be as as drastic.
2: It's my understanding that it's supposed to be, the proposal's uh, for 50, it's a 50% tax on on per cigar with not to exceed $10 per cigar. 50%? Yes. Now, is that only
1: on the premiums or on every cigar? It's on premium, but, um, you know, what, what makes and them decide... And how do you define a premium? Is it the quality of the tobacco? Is it like an A-grade, B-grade kind of tobacco? No. There's, so there's no difference? In, in I, what I, what I, makes it premium? Is it the wrapper? I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what defines premium. Is it the cost? Premium. The level of cost? Yeah. You're supposed
2: to know these things. You're a cigar smoker. What, what's the difference between cheap wine and expensive wine? I a cork. Know.
1: Yeah, you're right. Good point. The bottle. <laughs> More on the way. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just three dollars a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is- Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sakel, C-A-I, toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Some of them include the updates. Get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account
2: recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and, the, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359.
1: Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Let's go to the phones to the fun. Doug in Australia, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Doug. Hello. Can you hear me very well? We've got you. What's on your mind? That's great. it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. I've been listening for
5: years, um, and I've just, I've got to throw a question at you. Um, here in Australia, we have uh, quarantine laws, and uh, that's playing devil's advocate for uh, liberty, uh, for the liberty cause. When I'm talking to my friends, that one always comes up. And although I can't stay and talk to you because my ferry's coming around the corner. I just, I'd love to hear you guys talk uh, a little bit about um, some liberty ideas for uh, how you would handle quarantine and then bringing a species into a country like Australia, which is an island, which would then uh, go through and destroy uh, the environment. Um, yeah, it, if that's come up before, I've never heard of it. So if you could talk about that, that would be awesome.
1: That's an excellent uh, question. And thank you for the call, Doug. We appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Thanks, Doug. Quarantine loss. This is a new one. Quarantine
2: right? ferries? What is he talking about there? He's in
1: Australia? catching a ferry, oh, and see. that's why he had to go. Uh, plus, he's on an international call, which I'm sure isn't cheap. But on top of that, um, quarantine laws would seem to be a property situation, wouldn't it? I mean, as far as, you know, down in Florida, where we came from, there used to be some trees that weren't exactly native. and All kinds of them. Right. Uh, a lot of people complained um, about their existence. and But they're there. What can you do about it? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I guess if somebody brings a plant onto your property that you don't like, then well, I think plant
2: um is probably uh you know the, the least the, the least of their worries at least plants are stationary and you can go out and chop them down mm-hmm. um, the animals yeah, animals uh, in Australia they wild dogs they've had problems with all kinds of uh, um, animals that they've they have running' amok there that they're playing havoc with their ecosystem. Things are changing in Australia right. and um you know. I I must say that when it comes to quarantines, uh, governments, uh, programs trying to keep uh, certain animals out, diseases out, that kind of thing, it is a difficult issue to address from the side of freedom. Um, Take this one on for a second. I'm not saying this is the solution. Just let's take it on for a second. Um, The world is a shrinking place, so it's shrinking for animals, plants, as well as humans, because of travel things are changing and likely the more dominant species will win out in uh, certain areas now australia has been a long time it's a very large island that has uh, managed to not have a lot of uh, once it broke off from pangea it didn't have a lot of influence from the, the mainland so they got mm-hmm. platypuses and kangaroos and koala bears and all kinds of things that you just don't see the rest of the, um in the rest of the world well when you start when you start introducing um, you know new types of animals there they're going to comp- everybody's going to these animals and plants are going to be competing for that same piece of ground right the resources and the winner is going to win and the loser is going to lose from an evolutionary standpoint
1: so I guess the issue would be somebody um, either negligently or on purpose bringing in a new beastie mm-hmm. and setting it loose in the wild this right This
2: happened in Florida with the uh, the Oscar are you familiar Remember the the fish that I had in that tank the uh, the white one and the black one no. that I named uh, Jules and Vincent after the two mm-hmm. uh, uh no. the killers in pulp fiction No No Anyway um the uh, these Oscars got loose in Florida, and you know they've just basically run out. Uh, they, they've infested the uh, Everglades and all the the waters down there. They're they're prevalent can you everywhere. Them? I assume you can. I, I hear they're not that good. Hmm.
1: Well, okay, so somebody brought an Oscar in from wherever and well, dropped the, it in Amazon. the water. Dropped it in the water, and it took over. Mm-hmm. Right? I have a hard time. Well, hold on, hold on. Wasn't the government around then? No,
2: they were not around watching. Um, you know, Oscars, you can still buy them everywhere in Florida and, and anywhere but okay, else. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: It's okay. I was going to say exactly just that, that I have a really hard time believing that the government actually succeeds in preventing animals and plants from coming into certain places.
1: Well, they do to some extent, just like they do with the drug war. Right. I mean, they can capture some of the drugs, but it's not a, all of them. It's
2: a very big screen with very big holes.
3: It reminds me of when we moved from Florida to New Hampshire, and we had to pass through one of the way stations. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the border, there was that plant station where we were supposed to get inspected yeah, an agricultural to make sure station, we didn't yeah. have any weird plants that we were leaving with right. and there was nobody there. I mean, yeah, it wasn't no one was even there. open. It was the
1: weekend. Uh, I think there was I think the, the holiday entire weekend. Right, yeah. I think the entire uh we time We had
3: one way station.
1: Right, the 1500 mile trip up the, the coast of the United States, uh, we stopped at one way station. Your uh, U-Haul could have been A pot full of plants or or beasts. Yeah, plants or beasts. Um, And I recall there was a story that we read a couple years ago on the air about a bird smuggler who was caught with like three birds strapped to his legs (laughs) in his pants. And, how bad? How did he get caught? Well, I don't know, but you know, the point is... The earth, chickens started clucking, that's yeah. how. The point is, there are these stories that come out from time to time. Uh, I think somebody also um, got busted with a bunch of dead birds in a suitcase or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, these. the reason why they're bringing these birds in is because they're prohibited. Right. And there People are, want these exotic there are collectors of exotic b- animals mm-hmm. that will pay whatever the price is on the black market in order to get one of those birds into their ha- home into a cage. Mm-hmm. And so the believe it or not, I mean it's hard to it's hard to even fathom, right? Because everybody knows there are drug dealers and everybody knows there are prostitutes, but not too many people come across the stories about the bird smugglers or the animal traders, the the black market animal dealers. There are there are people who are just as violent and dangerous as uh, those who are in the black market in the drug trade, dealing with animals. I don't know if they're quite as there's not
2: the demand.
1: So well, not, not the, every dealer in the drug trade is violent and dangerous either. So no, but make it's make going to
2: draw the um it the, the it's the the largest amount of money is made in um illicit drugs, not in illicit animals. That's true. So um the money but there's is enough
1: to... money in it to make them get into the game. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm
2: not telling you that uh that you know illegal animal smugglers haven't shot people before. I'm not saying that, but i'm I'm not saying they
1: have. I'm just saying you, I'll it bet takes you they a, have well, it takes a certain type of person to get into the black market as a as a dealer of whatever um you're you're taking on a tremendous amount of risk. i mean, I don't know what the penalties are like for smuggling a bird across the uh the line of the you know the border of the country. I can't imagine it's it's a slap on the hand no, I, I I knew a guy in prison who got two years for uh killing an alligator. Customs takes takes things like that pretty seriously. So it takes a certain type of personality. Somebody who understands they're breaking the law. They understand that they they stand to profit fairly uh, fairly well from successfully breaking that law. And uh, and you and I we don't really know what the black market prices are for these birds. It no. could be a thousand bucks a bird. I,
2: I wouldn't doubt it at all. You, you Actually, need... a thousand dollars a bird doesn't sound crazy to me. My no. mother used to sell. Uh... Uh, rottweilers and dobermans that she would you know these these show dogs that she would breed and she'd sell them for
1: more than a grand puppies, right so puppies. i'm actually i actually feel like that's possibly a conservative number as far as the it price could, on these things. it could be but let's use that number as an example a thousand bucks a bird if you can sneak 10 of them across the border mm-hmm. you've you've made more money than uh, one trip than the average american worker makes in half a year yeah. or a third of a year So there's tremendous profit incentive, but there's also a very high risk, especially, I mean, it's one thing to take marijuana from Arizona to Florida, then you're traveling in a, you know, you're traveling in the United States, you aren't going to be as subject to as much scrutiny as coming across international borders. So the risk is higher uh, with this uh, illegal animal trade. So, the point is, my point is, they're doing it anyway. The government quarantine laws exist, and all they serve to do is to make things a little more difficult for people, increase risk, and thereby increase the profits for the black marketeers. Does that solve the problem of quarant- uh, Does that solve the issue of uh, unwanted beasties running around, killing other beasties? No. The government hasn't solved that problem, and they, I don't think they ever will. So let's get the government out of it and return people to uh, private property ownership and let them control what is allowed and isn't allowed on their land. That'd be the best we can do. Love to hear your thoughts on it. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show, you take control, toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. But if you want to help support the show, then you can go and shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. There are 41 categories to shop in. Pretty much anything you might need to buy for life, they sell it at Amazon, and uh, they sell it at a pretty reasonable price with free Super Saver shipping on a number of their items. Uh, Just go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, surf around, browse through, look at some of the product reviews, add them to your shopping cart, and they'll be delivered to your door. And a percentage of your sale goes to benefit Free Talk Live. Really, what could be better? Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's continue with the phone calls and go to Neil in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Neil. Hello. Neil in California, going. Hello, once. I'm here. Hi, Neil. What's on your mind? Hey, uh,
6: yeah, I wanted to comment on this whole uh, this whole animal uh, control deal. Um, I think you guys are missing the uh, the whole private uh, protection aspect of all of this. Um, the, I mean, people are going to be interested in protecting the the, the animals that they want to keep around on their property. Mm-hmm. So if there is another animal that's going to be introduced into the wild, there's going to be a vested interest, and there are going to eventually be bounty hunters that will hunt down these foreign animals that will that will be invading the territory.
1: Theoretically, I suppose that's possible. I, mean, I see we- that
2: as possible, but um, you know, I, I, I see there be, uh, being entirely problematic uh, being one of these bounty hunters. Oh, suppose yeah. I'm put up in business as one of these bounty hunters here in New Hampshire. I think the only feral population we have are feral domestic cats. Right. But, um, and it's my my goal. I have a, a philanthropic goal to rid New Hampshire of feral cats. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I get people behind me who don't want to have feral cats and uh, mm-hmm. people people that want to, in fact, uh, you know, eradicate them and they'll, whatever means necessary, I get money yeah. and all that stuff. But I have to get the permission of every single landowner that I, um, you know, on whose property I need to go in order to get one of these feral cats. Yeah. One of them is bound to be a tree-hugging, um, you know, mm-hmm. save the puppies kind of person um, who says, you can't come on here, um, you know, one out of every hundred is likely to be this kind of person. So the feral cat pop populations are going to be learn that they can go on these people's property and breed willy-nilly there and uh you know what am i going to do about that
6: okay well <clears throat> i think the point is say for example you know you have you have somebody who owns a forest for example and and he's in, in the in the animals that have come onto this forest need there there needs to be some sort of eradication of the of these uh of foreign animals that are taking over his property. He's only going to have jurisdiction over his property. I mean, he's not going to have jurisdiction over everybody's property. So if he has a vested interest in getting rid of these animals, somebody else is going to step up to the plate and say, I'll get rid of them for you. Uh, Whether or not uh, those animals are on somebody else's property is is to be uh, decided. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily a matter of uh, getting everybody's permission, but only the permission of the people uh, of the individuals who are who are running into this problem uh, uh, on their land. Uh, this this
1: right, sort of issue. Only the ones that want the cats removed.
2: Are you exactly. proposing midnight incursions onto people's land to kill cats? No. 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 I'm not. I'm not saying that at okay. all. I'm saying the people who own the
6: property that that are, are either going to want these animals removed or not. And and if they if they see a good interest in having these uh, animals uh, removed, they're going to hire somebody to remove them. I mean, when you were talking about the situation with the fish in the lakes in Florida, I mean, that's public land. Nobody cares about it. They just no, they dumped don't. the fish in there, good and it point. just took everything over. If that land was privately owned, somebody would have a vested interest in making sure those fish those, uh, 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 fish are removed so that there's still good fish left for other people to come. Right, and they'd fish. be able
1: to stock the lake with whatever they felt was appropriate. And similarly, if they owned a, uh, a plot of forest, they uh, there are organizations like the Nature Conservancy, as I understand it, uh, that purchase plots of land for the purposes of protecting them and uh, giving the animals that live there a, a safe place to live where they won't be poached or anything like that, or uh, they won't be hunted or killed and so mark even if you had this philanthropic uh, philanthropic goal to eliminate all feral cats if not everyone shared that goal well too bad for you you know you'll you'll get some business from the people that don't want the cats on their property and that's how you know the answer really is cat bait um
2: (laughs) you, you know in the same way that you uh you know you give the uh the the bait to the ants and the queen dies and the whole mound dies that's really the trick. Is right,
1: because if the cat comes on the property of the person who's willing to put the bait on it and then carries the bait back, what can you do about that? Yeah, the cat be, did it. it. It's it's sad and everything like that. I think that uh, uh, probably a much better way
2: to go about these things is to uh, catch the cats in little cages and neuter them or spay them, depending on their their gender.
1: There you go. Neil, did you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, just wanted to bring that point up. Thanks for the call. Appreciate yep. hearing from you at 800-259-9231. So just to recap on this whole quarantine issue the government isn't doing a stellar job of keeping animals out of the country the fact is the black market animal trade is alive and well and very profitable um so let's just turn it over to the marketplace and see what interesting ideas come about i mean we're not experts okay we don't catch and trap animals for a living we're we're not biologists no nope. you know we don't know i don't think you are julia a biologist uh, you uh, no. don't look like one um you do wear do glasses so you look smart but
3: biologists look like Certain...
1: I don't know. Uh, but So we're not experts on this. We don't know how the marketplace would structure itself in order to protect people's property from unwanted animals. But inevitably, there are ways to handle this. I mean, farmers have... Uh, people that raise sheep and other animals that are just easily slaughtered have problems with wolves and uh, and other beasts from time to time that will jump fences and come in and slaughter the sheep and... Kill the herd, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I don't know what do they do in that instance. Do they camp out in the backyard and wait for the wolf to come out, or yes. hire somebody? Or the answer to that: there, there is a service. There is something those people can do. And they put out coyote do. bait
2: and all kinds yeah. of things like that. Yeah. So the,
1: you know the market has handled that problem. Let's let the market handle the problem if it is a problem of foreign animals coming here. There you go. Let's go to uh, let's go to Puke in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Puke. Hello.
7: Uh, good evening.
1: Hi. What's on your mind?
7: I wanted to clear up the uh, the cigar thing. A premium cigar usually means a cigar that is hand rolled using a uh, aged tobacco leaf.
1: Yep. So if it's and, if it's rolled uh, in a uh, machine, then it is not premium.
7: Yeah, the difference is like the cheaper the cigars, um, usually and the smaller as well. It's made by a machine using just kind of like bits and pieces of chopped up tobacco. Whereas a premium often cigar often swept uses up off the floor viral. of
2: a uh, cigarette uh, company. Really, uh, right?
7: Yeah, sometimes, depending on what you buy. And um, so that's that. And it, I just think it's unbelievably ridiculous to charge $10 in tax on anything, um, especially when it that's more than most cigars cost, certainly more than anyone would usually pay for one on average. And uh,
1: What would you do, Puke, as a cigar smoker if this, let's just presume the $10 tax comes down, or maybe even a $5 tax per cigar, what would you do?
7: Um, I would either stop buying or find them somewhere else. If somebody was on the street and he was like, I've got cigars here from the Dominican Republic, and you know, <laughs> I knew what they were, then I'd buy them and uh, skip the tax.
2: Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't I have any reason to pay the money. I wonder whether, uh, you know, then the black marketers would likely be trying to counterfeit these cigars, and they'd be be selling American cigars as Dominican ones, Dominican ones as Cuban ones. That's that's
7: actually what has happened with the Cubans. They're actually counterfeit Cubans cigars that you can buy in Mexico. Interesting. And um, I also wanted to comment on something else. I found a story. Uh, You guys have been talking about the military the last couple days.
1: Yeah.
7: And uh, our tax dollars are going to great work. The um, Army... And, well, the taxpayers have funded a new little propaganda machine where the uh, the Army developed this video game called America's Army.
1: Yes, I played it. It's, it's like awful.
7: <laughs> right. Um, well, I found out today that they're actually going to make arcade machines out of that uh, game. Ugh. Yeah, and uh, here's here's a great line from the end of this little press release on the actual website. The very last sentence is, The partnership which encompasses the development and manufacturing of an official U.S. Army game for the arcade market, will create a new communication channel with young Americans. Yeah, uh, So that, that's how you say uh, propaganda to go kill people is communication channel with young Americans. Yeah, that's true. And it will cost you 50 cents to play each game, oh, uh, really? even though you're going to pay it taxes to build the things you
2: know so. <laughs> well uh, they don't have to worry yeah. about uh you know it being profitable or anything like that i i suspect they'll even uh, pay bar owners to to for the little space that they put it video games yeah. aren't nearly as popular as they were when i was growing up I, what do you mean they're it's a multi-billion dollar industry oh, today pardon me well, stand up you mean money, money paid arcade games is what i don't I mean. know man how do you where do you get that information from is it just your personal Real feeling life I'm telling you that every mall, um, every convenience store, every place in the '80s had a video game or five. And then there were these places called arcades, just you know, there was 50 video games in these places. Where are you going to to find that that now? Almost no place. Arcades are dying. Interesting. Um,
7: I've read that too because you have console systems and PC games that are, you know, so much better. better.
3: And you can sit in in your home and play them instead of.
1: Good point. Pete, thanks for the call. So Appreciate that's, it. That's your thanks. thanks for bringing that up. Uh, the, uh, the America's Army arcade game, or excuse me, the, uh, computer game, they, they distribute for free and taxpayer funded. I'm surprised that they're, they're gonna charge for this in the arcades. We'll, uh, come back with more. Hour two. I wanna look at this concept a little bit more of this, uh, propaganda game. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives website and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, the cycle cai toll-free line for you. As we roll into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We wrapped up last hour with uh, a conversation about arcade games. And Puke had called in from New Hampshire specifically to point out that the... U.S. military is going to be putting out an arcade version of their, um, it's called America's Army. It's a video game they created for the, uh, I think it's only, I don't know, it might be available on console systems, but I know it's on the PC. So your computer, you can play this game that's supposed to simulate what it's like to be in the Army. And I'm
3: sure I, it's nothing like being in the Army.
1: Right, well, you can't really get shot. Um, a lot of sitting around, bad food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I tried it back in the early part of this uh, this decade when it came out, and it was awful. Just an awful game. But uh, anyway, they're going to put it in the arcades, and that led us to the discussion of, well, what about arcades? Are they really going out of business? You said they are, Mark, and it turns out you're right. We'll get to the statistics here in a few moments, but let's go to the phones first and talk to Matt in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
8: Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, I I used to work in a, uh arcade back when I was in college. I worked at an Atari uh, game room.
2: Atari had a game room. Wow. Okay.
8: Yeah, this was back in the eighties. It was uh, in Champaign, Urbana. It was a um, it was a pretty busy place. Uh, we got a lot of business back then. I bet. But uh, arcades have really, really fallen off. You don't find them too much anymore with the advent of, um, you know, the game consoles that you can hook up onto the TVs, and computers and things like that. People just don't use the game rooms anymore. Uh, I, remember, I remember times when we would get, um, like, new games in, and there would be lines waiting to play the new games. Wow. <laughs> and, you, and you'd get these people who would dump, you know, $10, 15 into the games, looking to really master them, and then there'd be people gathered around watching, Who's he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Watching, it was like a, a spectator sport.
1: Mm-hmm it's almost it was almost a social event or a social occasion back then
8: it was, and um those were really interesting times, but um I know that the major uh players um your stern and uh Williams and Bally, uh those guys that made all the pinballs and the uh the arcade games they don't make those arcade games too much anymore
9: mm-hmm.
8: um, they might make the uh, what the um like the Game Boy versions and things like that. But they don't make the full sized games anymore.
2: Uh, somebody's
1: out there doing it because somebody's putting out new
2: versions. There's of- Golden Tee. I know that that's just about everywhere, and you can usually find some uh, version of a video game where you can pick up a handgun or a. Uh, I'm shotgun talking about the old
1: games, though. I'm talking about like uh, Galaga and things like that. I mean, at the Walmart, they have here in them at,
3: at like movie theaters sometimes. Yeah, they have like a few of them at a movie theater.
1: Well, at the Walmart, sure. there's a Galaga uh, stand-up game, and I'm pretty sure that wasn't manufactured in the '80s. So somebody's still cranking out uh, newer manufactured versions of old games.
8: There's a place called the Pinball Factory, uh, www.pinball.com, and they 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 make Williams and Valleys for you to, to buy. So if you wanted to buy one and put it in your home, right, you could. Yeah, I had a um,
3: friend who had a couple of arcade games in his home.
1: Wow, that's pretty. That's that's pretty cool. They're also still kind of pricey, though, aren't they? They're they're a few hundred bucks for a, for an arcade game.
5: Probably more than that. Well, Probably a couple if it's, thousand, I would
1: say. No, that's that's for the newer ones. Like, if you're looking at uh, getting one of the top-of-the-line arcade games, then you're going to pay several thousand. Like, a Dance Dance Revolution is, uh, I think, $17,000 for one of those. Wow. Uh, but if you're just going to get a, just a plain old stand-up Galaga machine, you're looking at maybe a couple hundred. And maybe
2: not uh, new, but you could get one used for a couple Yeah. Of hey, Matt, well, thanks there's, for th- There's, there's, there's been people who have
8: done some interesting things. We have a uh, place in the mall by us. That is an indoor miniature golf batting cage, and they have uh, video games there, too. So people are you know, figuring out ways to to
1: keep this stuff going. Very good, Matt. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. When you had said that um, you thought arcades were dying off, and I immediately was sort of taken back by that, Mark, because I had seen... In the last few years, I've seen this place. I think it's called Gameworks. Um, I mean, I'm not positive on the name of the place. But I I went to a mall when I was on vacation with my parents um, almost a decade ago, I guess now. So, I don't know. Maybe they aren't aren't around. But it was like um, a club. They, they I felt as though arcades had matured sort of and I know what we, you're talking about yeah. and um I, I can't remember the names of any of these
3: Game World was one that we had in Boise and it was very popular. They Kids have, used to go and hang out there and it was like three stories. Right. They sell
2: real dinner. There's yeah. a dance floor. There's a bar.
3: Alcohol. Yeah, there's a bar.
2: Yeah, um There's a DJ. Absolutely. They've, you know, some bars have uh, sort of stylized themselves to some extent um after arcades but as far as how many games are being sold and, and the right. amount of people uh, pumping quarters into them, it's just not the business that it was.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's that's what I did during the, uh, the news break. I went around on the webs to uh, to see if I could actually get the statistics, and I, and I do have those. But I was really impressed with um, this club. I mean, essentially, you don't have arcades anymore. You're right about that, Mark. But where the arcade games are found are really interesting places. Um, obviously, you've got the Chuck E. Cheese and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but then you've got these clubs with all these... You know very expensive games. You're, you aren't going to find a Galaga at one of these uh, these arcade clubs. You're going to find the you know the Dance Dance Revolutions. You're going to find the uh, the very pricey, new, top-of-the-line games that are going to cost you 50 cents to a dollar to play. But nonetheless, there were people lined up to play these games. But it seems like they really have had to up the ante in order to get people to walk through the doors. The club that I was at, not only did they have just your standard pick-up-the-gun-shoot-it-at-the-screen kind of arcade games... Mm-hmm. But they also had more, like, interactive ride-slash-arcade games, like where you'd strap into this uh, th- this lift sort of device. It would lift you up, and you'd have to shoot at things on one level, and you'd lift, you know, take it you down, and you'd shoot at things on another level. Well, it was Very always ima-
2: um, it imagined that there would be video games that are kind of like the Wii that's out now, the uh, Nintendo Wii, yeah. where you would have... Some kind of uh, you know, ability to swing a sword or um, use a gun to, you know, in in a small room like a uh, what what do they what they call it on Star Trek the holographic room the uh, uh, the holodeck the holodeck um, that there would be things like this and it 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 still seems like the world's waiting for the holodeck you know <laughs> who knows man all you know, in good time uh, funny funny jail story we're still I, waiting for virtual reality too yes yes we are <laughs> I uh, as you know went to to prison in 1989 and got out in 1998. In 1989, there were arcades everywhere. I decided when I got out, I was going to use the money that I had saved to open an arcade.
1: I was going to <laughs> you make were my money the whole time.
2: Huh? It was it was my idea. It sounded like a good way to make a living, you know. I, I had a few ideas on ways I'd make my arcade better and, and different. I got there weren't well, there weren't any. I got out there weren't any <laughs> arcades. There were None. Was that a shock to the system or what? It was a little bizarre. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the only thing I've got for one of those uh, w- a weird displaced in time stories.
1: That, that Julia, you're not too young to uh, to remember arcades, right? Or to, you've, you've No, I inside.
3: remember arcades.
1: Right. They uh, were there were one. Uh, there were at least one arcade in every single mall that I yes. ever went into back there in was, the '80s.
3: There was arcades in malls still in South Florida. Not I, in Sarasota. I, there was in South Florida because I used to be a fan of Dance Dance Revolution. I used to go to the arcade to play Dance Dance Revolution. Probably. Six years ago? Some
2: some malls have uh, arcades and some don't. And right. essentially, Dance Dance Revolution is in the middle of that arcade and everything else around so there. They, they actually
3: yeah. took... We had an arcade at the mall where I lived in Florida when I lived with my parents when I was 16. They took Dance Dance Revolution out of there. I stopped going.
1: I'm sure you weren't the only one. Uh,
3: yeah. one eight hundred two five
1: nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 If you'd like to eulogize the death of arcades... Because uh, according to the statistics, they are on the way out, and according to NorthJersey.com, or rather PopMatters.com, he says it's difficult to write a eulogy for the arcade, that once ubiquitous, quarter-eating staple of malls, bowling alleys, and college campuses everywhere, like Saturday morning cartoons in the NHL, it still exists, but it's been slowly fading from the American consciousness since its 1980s heyday. But it's not hard to wax poetic about one of the last of the old neighborhood arcades, the kind of place Norman Rockwell would have painted had he been a Gen Xer who felt romantic notions about Double Dragon. For many teens in the late 70s and 80s, arcades were actually prime destinations. It oh, wasn't yeah. just that my generation was dying to guide a yellow anthropomorphic hockey puck through a maze or help a mustachioed plumber rescue his girlfriend from a barrel-tossing ape, but because arcades are one of the few shared spaces we could hang out that felt decidedly adult un- friendly for some of us going to the arcade was a small act of anti-authoritarian rebellion we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, phenomenon the dying phenomenon of arcades I'll actually give you a few numbers as far as how how much they are dying it's pretty pretty stunning actually 800-259-9231 want to hear from you as well this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. If you've got... uh, Maybe you want to recount and... And uh, get nostalgic on us with your old arcade experiences. Do you have an old arcade story for us that you want to share? 800 because we're talking about the death of arcades. Um, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are totally free. Wiki's there, over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. Actually, we've cracked 1,375. In fact, it's like the listener editable version of our website. Head over to wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. So, 800-259-9231, talking about the dying arcades, and PopMatters.com is uh, writing, essentially, the eulogy for the business. And he's talking about how, uh, obviously, arcades were huge back in the 1980s. That was really their heyday and he describes the atmosphere from from a young person's perspective. Because that's w- that's pretty much who was hanging out at arcades. That's who was the pumping day. the quarters in. Teens, probably heavily teen, maybe younger than teen, um, pre-teens, um that's pretty much your population for, for arcades. The arcades I grew up in, according to Ryan Smith, were dark, sweaty, dungeon-like rooms filled with loud, obnoxious lights and sounds with even louder and more obnoxious people. I remember the plethora of mohawk misfits, D&D obsessed geeky types like you, Mark, and me. Ver- didn't you play D&D? Yes. All right. And various (laughs) other mall rats. Even the typical arcade employee embodied the aesthetic, the long-haired burnout or the 20-something underachiever celebrated in virtually every Kevin Smith movie. Ironically, though arcades were viewed by the older generation as seedy dens of teen corruption, the games themselves were often simplistic and childish affairs, especially compared with today's popular overcomplex and overstimulating console games. Back then, video games didn't revolve around fighting virtual lifelike recreations of World War II battles or murdering gang members. Rather, we were innocently helping a pixelated frog across the street, or saving a princess from a dragon. And despite all the unblinking eyes staring at video screens, arcades also often bred a sense of community. We'd chat with strangers about how to get past the nth wave of aliens in Galaga, look on in awe for the guy who got past Act 5 in Ms. Pac-Man without losing a life, or bicker over who got the turkey leg in Gauntlet. That was a good one. I always loved Gauntlet. That was fun. Uh, but by the late 80s and early 90s, fewer people were dropping dollars into arcades. The first blow of competition, big blow of competition, arrived with the home systems. First, the Atari 2600, then the Nintendo Entertainment System. The Atari 2600, I
2: didn't think, was much competition to real video games. Yeah, I, I that had
1: was too early on. I had one,
2: and uh, I didn't feel like... You know, I, I don't want to play video games because I have
1: the 2600. The Atari
3: six twenty six hundred was my first video game console, and I loved it. I was really young when I had it, four or five, and I just loved it.
1: No doubt about it. The, the 2600 was a great console with some great games on it. Except E.T. But it didn't... Oh, God. Worst game ever. <laughs> um, but it didn't do... It didn't affect the arcade business, I don't think, because for a while, what you had was essentially this race where the arcade games were always ahead of... Of the console systems, so even when the Nintendo Entertainment System came out, and you'd get Castlevania for the Nintendo Entertainment System or Bad Dudes or something like that, the arcade version always looked so much better. It was a you know it was a better. Yeah. If you wanted to play the best version of that game, you had to go to the arcades because they had to strip it down in order to fit all the, in order to make it compatible for the uh, the underpowered home systems. But basically, what you had is over time the home systems kept getting more and more powerful and the arcade people you know there was sort of this convergence where the arcades couldn't really keep up with the pace of the home systems as far as there wasn't after, you know by the mid 1990s the home version of the arcade games were pretty darn close like yeah the arcade still had a you know the nose they still had a, just a barely a little bit better But I don't know if it was really worth it at that point to get up and go to the arcade and pump quarters into the machine because you weren't really seeing a tremendous difference. And then by the end of of, uh, the 90s, they'd pretty much met up and, um, you know, there's still certain experiences you can only get in an arcade. Like you can climb into the racing car thing and, you know, it's got the steering wheel. They do have steering wheels for home games, but you don't get the big case that you get to sit in. That's right. The big (laughs) wooden case. But really, I mean, how special is that? laminate on it. Anyway, let's continue here. Uh, so, by the late 80s and 90s, fewer people were dropping dollars into arcades, and technology began to allow kids to play arcade games in the safe space of home. Game makers tried to adapt somewhat by focusing on games with steering wheels, jet fighter sticks, dual screens, trackballs, and other gadgets not possible at home. But the market erosion continued the number of arcade game units nationwide dropped from 860,000 in 1994 and i'd like to see what the number is for 1984 but uh, 860,000 in 1994 to 333,000 in 2004 that's a that's a 50 more than 50% decline in a in a decade mm. According to statistics from the Vending Times, revenue from the game sank from $2.3 billion, this is the real telling one, to $866 million.
2: So they're putting out more machines and making less money per per machine. Well,
1: they're putting out less machines and making less money per machine. So not doing so well. The small arcades that survive tend to feed off the spare change of tourists and theme park goers. Most of the ones that thrive are the multi-purpose entertainment centers, like you mentioned, Julia, the Pirates Cove or Chuck E. Cheese, that sort of thing. D- um, Doug and Buster's, or whatever they're called. Yeah, Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. That's or, or the uh, the GameStop things, or what, what was it called? Game, Game. GameWorks. Game Express, that sort of thing. These uh, bu- like multi-purpose locations where you can do more than just play video games. You can go and drink and eat and dance and, and play video games. Or go and uh, play mini-golf and bumper cars and play video games. So it's, it's more of a feature than a, than a draw in itself anymore. Right. Something to do after you've uh, been maimed in the batting cage. For those of us who miss the old days, home consoles offer arcade favorites, compilations, and collections, but they never feel satisfying because the sum of the unique arcade experience was more than simply standing up in a room while playing elevator action or burger time. So if you want to share your old arcade stories, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Gene the Christian Anarchist in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live.
10: Hi, guys. I wanted to share my arcade experiences and talk about Ron Paul. How's okay,
1: that? Sure. excellent.
10: Okay. Well, I've been in arcades since before they had video games. Really? They used to have just the pinball yes. machines and uh, and uh, mainly pinball machines. There wasn't a whole... Well, they they did start with air hockey. and How many would they have? 60s. How
2: many pinball machines would be in one of these uh, arcades, Gene? I, I, I oh, can't imagine.
10: Gosh. They'd have maybe 20 or 30 of they're them. They're all the they same. Real, <laughs> they weren't real big arcades. Oh, they'd be a little different, you know. But, okay. yeah, they're basically all the same. But then uh, the, the machines started coming out electronic. I came out. I, I remember playing Pong, putting in quarters to play Pong. Wow. And, uh,
1: Who would do and, that? Uh,
10: <laughs> well, when it was new, it was rather unique. You know, yeah,
1: yeah absolutely.
10: But then uh, they, they started getting better, and they came out with things like Frogger and Donkey Kong. And I was kind of a I, – I hung out in the arcades pretty late in life. I was probably – Approaching 30 before i stopped hanging out in the arcades and plunking quarters into those things and when you figure the amount of the value of a quarter in say the late 80s and um uh, or the early 80s, compared to now, that's a, good that's point. a lot more money. Yeah. That's a lot more money per game than what people play today.
1: Right, so the and, $866 million they're pulling in today doesn't even compare uh, to what they were pulling in back in, uh, back in the 80s. If they'd made $866 million back then, it'd be a lot more money because of inflation. Gene, I'll let you come back. Hang on. 800-259-9231. Arcades, they're dying. Do you have a few words? This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. Ian, Julia. And Mark. You can join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for free
2: at FreeTalkLive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorney, attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or a limited liability company legalzoom.com use code ftl to save
1: 10% that's legalzoom.com talking about the uh, imminent death of the arcade game business it's been dropping off precipitously in the last decade uh, sales down from over 2.4 i think billion dollars to less than 800 or less than 900 million dollars in just a decade's time uh, the number of units down um, by more than 50% it's uh, it's a dying industry, and one that a lot of people have fond memories of. So if you want to share uh, a few words of how you feel about the arcade business or uh, or some memories of playing arcade games as a as a kid, I've got a story that I remember, uh, but I'll share that here in a moment. Let's go back to Gene, the Christian Anarchist. You're back on Free Talk Live. Hello, Gene.
10: Yeah, I remember uh, the reason it was such a spectator sport back then is because the quarter was worth quite a bit more money, at least twice what it is today. And so a lot of kids couldn't afford to sit there and play games all day, so they'd yeah, just right. watch other people play them.
1: Sure. So that, that was what that's what I would do too. I'd just watch the demo. Yeah. It would, you know, flash game over and I'd just sit there and watch it.
10: Yeah, and uh if you want to play arcade games right now, the best arcades that I've seen in the country are in places like Reno and Las Vegas where there's a lot of uh a lot of casinos because the casinos mm-hmm. have pretty big arcade rooms to keep the kids busy. So
2: that the makes parents sense. parents can yeah. play uh slot machines?
10: Yeah, no, and uh, but they have uh, in uh, Las Vegas at the Sands. No, is it the Sands? No, Sahara. At the Sahara, they have the best uh, driving simulators you can do. They're all linked together through computers, and they're they have motion. You sit in a little car, and it's got screens, 180 degree screens around you. Wow. So it's wow. A so it's just like racing other people, and the other people that you're racing are on the track with you, and they in their 3D cars. It's very, very good.
1: What's it cost to um, play that?
10: Um, actually you can get a day pass for like $16 and play
1: all day long. Right. That's how they were doing it at this, uh, game works place that I was at. This basically this arcade slash club is you could go yeah. in and you could pay per, you could pay per play, but it was really expensive. So you, you would want to go and get the unlimited pass, which was something similar to that. 20 bucks, 15 bucks, something like you, that.
10: And if you go to Vegas, don't miss the, uh, big shot ride on top of the stratosphere. That's the best thrill ride I've ever been on in my life. All right, Gene. I highly recommend
1: it. Your comments um, on Ron Paul, and then we gotta go.
10: Ron Paul. Okay, real quick. Uh, um, the more I listen to this guy, the more I think that uh, if he doesn't get shot, like I predicted, if 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 something happens and he actually gets elected, I think that we've got a chance of avoiding a revolution in this country. But but if he doesn't make it, I don't see any way around it. I think we're definitely headed towards a, a violent revolution. But uh, here's some. You know, there's some chance, because he has got the message every time I listen to him, it's like a revival all over again. He's he's really doing an
1: amazing job of waking people up. I I was looking at some amazing statistics today that really say that, you know, Ron Paul is is still at this point very underappreciated. Actually, according to uh, YouTube, only two of the Republican candidates have agreed to the upcoming YouTube CNN debates, and that's Ron Paul and John McCain. So
7: <laughs> they're all afraid of it.
1: Yes, they are. Apparently so. No. Thanks for the call, Gene. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So I remember when I was my, my most memorable arcade story isn't the most. I don't know. It's probably not the most honest of arcade stories. But I was a young kid. There was Stardust Skate Center down in Sarasota. You remember that, Mark? Do you remember? Was Stardust around when you were a kid? <laughs> yes. And why why are you
2: chuckling? I just say, you know, it's such a funny place. I, it's such a dangerous part of town that it's in.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a dangerous place to be in general. I mean, being at Stardust. Anyway, parents had no qualms about dropping their kids off there for whatever reason. But uh, uh, and, and in many cases, what they would do is they'd send the the school buses. They'd send these um, skate center buses to the schools on Friday. And you could take a skate center bus to the skate center after school, go skating for an hour or two, and your parents would pick you up there. Hmm. And so I cheap would, babysitting, yeah. I would do that from time to time. And so inevitably, you'd go with a couple bucks in your pocket, and there was plenty of arcade games there uh, to play. And I encountered some kid that was having trouble with one of the games. I remember this. He was putting quarters into it, and somehow the quarters had gotten jammed inside the little quarter receiving mechanism. Mm-hmm. You could look in the quarter slot, and you could actually see, you know, maybe three quarters sort of sandwiched together, blocking the path. To you know downwards Mm -hmm. and so he was you know banging on the front of the machine and that sort of thing trying to get his quarters to go through and for some reason I remember the kid being kind of a jerk Mm -hmm. I, I can't really explain to you what it was he did it's been a decade and a half or something like that. But I just remember getting that sort of uh, feeling from him. He's just a jerk. And so at one point, he walked away. And so I started uh, working on the machine and, like, kicking it and uh, just attacking the you know front of this machine. And I actually uh, successfully removed those quarters from the, from the slot. And uh, they all came right out through the, the coin return. And I, I think I got, like, a few bucks worth of quarters out of that machine and I pocketed them and walked right away. <laughs> Quickly. Yes. And never saw the kid again. So there's my uh, there's my arcade memory. I wonder if
2: kids still go. There really aren't payphones around anymore either. But I wonder if kids payphones. Not very many. How
3: much, it costs like fifty cents, doesn't it, to make a phone right. call They're now? check the payphone numbers yeah. too,
2: um, and and see how many payphones there are now. Versus You're right, so those no, are going down. There's
3: no phone books that pay. We were looking for a phone book once, and we thought to go to a um a payphone. Pay and there's no phone books on the payphones, at least not at the Walmart. No, here. No, they
2: they don't right. put them out there because people would just rip the pages out of them anyway. Right.
1: Yep. It's true. What were you going to say though, Mark? We um, I wonder if kids still phones. check the uh, the coin return slots on payphones. I'm sure if it's not kids, it's the homeless people that check those return coin return <laughs> slots.
3: Vending machines.
1: Yeah. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one arcades. They are dying off, and we will miss them. But there's still there are still some arcade games out there. But they really have to be they really have to be something special to get people interested in them. Like what Gene was talking about with this 180-degree screen that mm-hmm. you know surrounds you. That's pretty cool, and that's something you can't really do at home, at least not yet. So is the industry going to die completely? Well, maybe not anytime soon. There's still going to be some level of demand for stand-up video game entertainment, but according to the numbers, nowhere near what it used to be. And... Of course, uh, video game console systems, the numbers there, the business is incredible. I think I saw, didn't they surpass Hollywood blockbuster movies already? Oh, Hasn't yeah. has that happened? Absolutely true. I think that was fairly recent, though, that that, that, that that occurred. Like, video games are now more popular than going to the movies. That's huge news. This is the wave of the future for entertainment, as far as entertainment is concerned. They're far more creative, uh, far more interactive. It's it's uh, non-linear. You don't sit there. There's there's no starting point and ending point necessarily in many of these games. And like a game like uh, Grand Theft Auto, you can go in and do virtually anything that you want to. They're mostly like that. Uh, cheaper to produce too, aren't they? Than uh, than a movie? Yeah, sure. You don't have to pay millions of dollars to actors. Programmers are faceless. Um, you may pay a. Couple thousand to a voice actors. I don't even know why they do that.
2: What for voice actors? Right, you can get voice actors, uh, good voice actors, probably uh, more cheaply
1: than, than that. But ha- have you ever played a game with bad voice acting? There's a lot of them out there. So some of them have cut the corners on voice acting, and you, and you can tell when uh, when you're playing through the games. But uh, let's see, what else did I want to point out? Oh, abandonware. This is an interesting. This is an interesting sort of issue that ties in the video game discussion with the intellectual property discussion. Okay. Now then. How many arcade games have been released in the past two dec- two or three decades? Three I mean, uh, you mean, back to the regular thousands games? Oh them. yeah. Thousands. Lots. Um uh, many of which don't necessarily have home versions. They don't uh you know, they didn't necessarily make it right, they were, to the console you know, systems. Just
2: crappy little games that just didn't do very well. It's uh, I remember there was uh, like this Lunar Lander one that was just lines. It it was just mm-hmm. you know, one colored lines on the screen and there was a submarine version of that and a battle tank version of that. I can't imagine that uh, anybody's got copyrights on those things. Well, there are
1: copyrights, and they're still existing. But the question is, at what point, at what point should there no longer be any protection for these games? Because nobody can go to the arcades and play them anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't go and buy a console version of them. So. Is it really or should it really be against the law for somebody to download the ROM from the old arcade board and emulate it on their computer? Because that's one of the places you will find a lot of these games. We'll tell you about it coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI, toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. If you like the show, you want to help support... Free Talk Live, then you should go and become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Hundreds of our listeners have decided to do this because they like the show and they understand that uh, we give the website features away for free and they just want to help uh, spread the message of freedom and liberty and get this program on more radio stations across the country. That's what you can do if you send us three bucks a month through the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com and you'll get some perks as well. Access to the AMP-only chat room, AMP-only forums uh, and the AMP-only call-in line. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com talk live.com talking about the death of the arcade business the console systems uh, have won the war of course it was you know they weren't really fighting they were sort of fighting with themselves sega mm. for instance um they used to be in the hardware business now they're only in the arcade business they used to sell video game systems they're now out of that business now they're only doing software and arcade machines and there's a there's a, just a the market's just not there for it anymore. Mm. Uh, the, the number of arcade machines dropping precipitously, the number of dollars being put into arcade machines dropping even faster than the number of the machines themselves. And I wanted to talk about the software behind the machines, especially the older ones. I don't want to talk about the new machines. They, you, can't, you can't run those games on your computer. I'm talking about Galaga. I'm talking about Pac-Man. But more so than that, the more obscure arcade games, which of which there are you know thousands of old 1980s games that a lot of people, people like you and myself and, and Julia, we have sort of a a special place in our hearts for these games. Right. Now, they have these things on the Internet called emulators. Isn't that what the term is? That's correct. Video game. They have emulators for video game systems like the old Nintendo Entertainment System or the Atari 2600. And they also have arcade emulation. So basically what you can do, and it's it's illegal to do this, it's not illegal to have the emulator. But it is illegal to have the software that runs on the emulator. And basically, when it comes to arcades, what they've done is the hackers, which, you know, these people are brilliant, uh, they've come up with the hardware necessary to interface with the old arcade boards, right? So when you when you'd open an arcade machine up to uh, change out the quarter units and that sort of thing, there's PC boards in there. There are mm-hmm. electronic circuitry. And these people, these hackers, they know how to hook things up into the right places to where they can download the software from the arcade board Onto their computers. Mm-hmm. And then they take that software. They're called ROMs. Then they take these ROMs and they make it so their emulators can play the ROMs. And if the games are old enough, and most of them are, you can play them at 100% uh, capability. They look and play just like they did back when you were in the arcades on your computer.
2: Now, um, it seems a friend of mine uh, set up one of these emulators on my computer so that I could play this game that I hadn't played in... in a decade, Mm -hmm. um, that no one had ever heard of, that I really enjoyed very much. It was called Sinistar. Okay. Since Games.com has bought it, and I can go play it on their little emulator, it's been licensed or whatever, and I can play Sinistar all day long if I want to now. But this was a few years ago, and they set it up on my computer, and I don't think that Games.com at that time, I certainly didn't know if they had it, but I I think I've done this. I think that I've illegally um, downloaded and played one of these games.
1: Right. And what are they going to do? I mean, the company that made the game may not even be in existence. I don't know who made it. Maybe Midway, they might still be around. They
2: can have my quarter if they'd like it.
1: Right. What are they going to do? File a lawsuit? I mean, the the stamp on the envelope demanding the quarter is going to cost more than that. And so what you've got today is the situation where these games, it's illegal to play them, but yet there are thousands upon thousands of gamers out there that, that really want to play them. And so they're breaking the law in order to just is, just experience a little bit of nostalgia. Is it really necessary that we have these silly copyright laws out there? They're really—I mean, not that they're prosecuting anybody—at least not that I've heard for this sort of thing. But uh, I just you know just wanted to bring that up as uh, as a possible side issue here. It—I don't think it has happened, but there's a there's a website out there. What you wanted to look for is a term abandonware. Basically. They, uh, the definition of abandonware is a game that was created by a company that probably doesn't exist anymore, or if they do exist, they no longer offer the game for sale, nor do they offer any support for the game. So if you have the game, you can't go and get an instruction book from the company, you can't do, I mean, you can't get so a. So
3: why does it matter?
1: Apparently, it still matters to some of the companies. There's a website out there that, that has abandoned what they call Abandonware on the site. Abandonia.com. There's another one as well. But, I'm sure there is. But, it, they're DOS games. This is great. Yeah, but basically what their policy is is that, okay, if you are the original copyright holder on this piece of what we have deemed Abandonware, because it's X amount of years old and uh, by all means not being taken care of anymore – if you want us to pull it down from our site, we will. Send us an email. You know, We're going to verify who you are, and we'll pull, this, pull the games down. So, inevitably, there have been a handful of them that have. But there is this huge selection. So, everybody that's sort of interested in these old arcade games or old computer games, um, you can find them online through the, the wonders of the Internet. And there are some people that have really gone crazy, which I think is a, a brilliant idea, and they've gone ahead and purchased... The, and I've, I found a website, actually the board op sent this to me. How to build your own arcade system. Now this is a cool idea. What you do is you get yourself an arcade cabinet, which is a few hundred bucks. And you put a TV in and you get the buttons and, and everything. I mean, really you're looking at a couple of grand, right? To have a nice, brand new arcade system in your living room. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is you can build a computer, especially for the internals of this unit. Load it up with this software called MAME. That's the uh, the arcade emulator software. You load up that software, download the ROMs from wherever, which is, again, illegal, but like, who cares, right? Yeah. So you download the software, and you can download whatever old arcade games you can think of. If you can think of it, some hacker out there has downloaded it from the old ROM, uh, from the old boards and created a downloadable version you load it up into mame and you can you know have it load up a whole bunch of different games if you want to you can re- so you can have hundreds of arcade games on this uh, all in one unit mm. yeah and you can you know map the buttons so you can tell which buttons you want to do what and that sort of thing and i mean for a couple of grand you could have every arcade game you ever played back in the 1980s and in the early 90s in your living room can even remember what they all are why shouldn't why shouldn't that be legal that's what i'd like to know yeah who's what? getting hurt
3: yeah, what's silly about that is that they're—it's not like they're selling these games anymore.
2: Right, there's you not even to... anybody to send a check to.
3: No, sometimes they sell those those crappy like the packages of like Atari Classics or something like that. But they're always there's always only a few of them. They're really expensive for right. what you get, and they usually have a bunch of crappy games and one or two games that I actually would be interested in playing, and so it's never worth it.
1: I've seen those, and I agree completely. When they come out brand new, they're forty to fifty bucks, and you get maybe six to ten games. Right. One of them is Pitfall or Frogger, one of what, the big. What you intended to get, right? right. One of the classic games. It's and like then, it's
2: like it used to be buying a cassette tape. You would uh, you know buy Michael Jackson's Beat for it bad, for, yeah. yeah,
1: or Thriller or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so it's the same deal, and so you don't want to pay for that. Why would you do that when you can go and just have it all? For, uh, for a very cheap price. Oh, I want to know why that should be illegal. At 800-259-9231, uh, let's go to the phones. Talk to Stephen in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hey, Mark, Ian, Julia. are hey you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? It's, it's actually Stefan from Oklahoma. Stephen, Sorry about that. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. Hey, uh, I just want to let you guys know about, uh, there's a site uh, on the internet called virtualnes.com, and uh, it has a job of java-based emulator of uh, of the old nintendo entertainment system really and man they got they've they probably got 300 uh american games and a bunch of japanese games as well and it's really cool because you know I, I write code all day and, and every once in a while, man, you know you have to have a break so i go to that site and i can play those old games i used to play when i was a little kid and it's awesome
1: that is really cool is it based in a, a another country where there's no copyright restrictions
5: you know i i imagine it is i, I hadn't really done the research i should have done that before i called in but i I imagine so because they've been up for oh, probably about a year and a half now. I've been playing on there. So
1: virtualnes. dot com is what it is. Yeah, VirtualNES.com.
5: dot com. It's really cool. You, you got to have a Java plugin
1: in your browser. That is awesome, and that really just shows how uh, you know what level of demand there is to play oh, these yeah. old games. Oh No NES doubt, is a type of video game system it's that exists. It's the existed. Nintendo Entertainment System. It came out yeah, just before you went one to jail. That came out. Hmm. It's, uh, it's the one with Mario Brothers Mario and Brothers. Duck Hunt yeah. and those, uh, yeah. those games. Duck Hunt. Wow, Probably very cool. Probably the best one. Stefan, any other thoughts? Uh, no, that's all I have for tonight. Thanks, Thanks for sir. the clue. I'm going to go to that website during uh, during the break. Now, now that's an interesting question because when emulators first came out for the computer, it was you know the late 90s. People were writing emulators because you had to write an emulator for a game system that was like a decade old because it it takes more computing power to emulate than it does to to play just a regular computing game. So the the emulators were only able to emulate older game systems. And they didn't really do it perfectly either. So they've really tweaked them. They've really made them a lot better. In fact, they've made them so good now, apparently, that you can put one into a Java script on a website and play them online. Like you said, you play Sinistar online on some website. It's
5: actually uh, Java. It's actually it's a plug-in.
1: Right. Thank uh, you for the call, Stephen. We, we appreciate oh. hearing from you. Uh, so, you know, you're not actually downloading the games. In this case, in this virtual NES website that I'm about to go to, they're on the website. So is it illegal for you to play a game that someone else has illegally put on their website? Hour three's coming up. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. We're launching into hour number three of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Uh, let's talk about marijuana. Yes, there's yet another scare tactic article that's been released about marijuana uh, apparently the government and uh, their associated in, uh, friends and groups they just think they can keep fooling people with this whole scare people about pot mentality and i don't think it's working too well no. um, <laughs> julia you were telling me the other night that uh, weeds season three is coming out and you'd heard an interview with one of the main actresses yeah
3: mary it. louise parker and the The show is about a mother who lives in suburbia who sells marijuana, Mm -hmm. and she the quote that I thought was really funny, and this isn't an exact quote, but she said something along the lines of, well, everybody must smoke pot because nobody's really said anything bad about the show.
1: It's a great show. If it is a good if show. If you've ever uh, had the chance to see it, you would probably agree. And if you haven't seen it, you probably should go out of your way to see it because it really is that good. Even, even a, if
3: you don't, in like pot or pot culture, it's a good show.
1: Yeah, it's a funny show. It's like a comedy slash drama. Right. And I, it's sort
3: of like a soap opera, but that's good instead of like normal soap operaness. I don't know. I think so. The way it, it's set up. It
1: follows different characters, I guess. Right. Weekly soaps
2: used to be good. There was Dallas and uh, Dynasty and... These kind of shows, people look forward to those things.
1: So are you telling us that uh, you used to watch a lot of the uh, soaps?
2: I wasn't very interested. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, At that time, I wanted to see Knight Rider and
1: Dukes of Hazard. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. But nonetheless, um, the, the point that she was making, I think, is a good one. And that is that there's a huge, huge amount of people in this country, in America, and around the world that have smoked marijuana. Maybe they don't currently smoke it, but they've smoked it in the past. And they know that it's a relatively benign plant.
3: Or they know people that smoke it. You have to. Yeah, how can you not?
1: There are so many. If you don't know that they smoke it, you still know people that smoke it. Yes. Right? Um, There are just millions upon millions of Americans that have partaken in doing this illegal substance. And there hasn't really been um, fallout from it. No one's died. You can't die from smoking too much weed. It's just not possible. And so the government has to really come up with the most scary, frightening claims they, they can imagine. And, of course, anybody that's ever smoked marijuana just looks at those claims and just laughs, which is one of the reasons why the uh, anti-drug I don't think
2: everybody laughs at every claim. I think that uh, they,
1: they do fool some people with their they claims. They
3: fool some people.
1: They may fool, like, the goody-goodies that would never have considered touching marijuana in the first place, but their their claims are so outlandish. I mean, yeah. marijuana makes you grow breasts if you're a guy. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, the, I, when I first got into uh, to, to learning about marijuana when I was in my teenage years, I read a great book, which I still have. Uh, it's called Marijuana Myths, Marijuana Facts. And they go through, I think, about 20 of the most common myths about marijuana. I mean, absolutely every myth you can think of, they pretty much debunk them with scientific proof. Citations, scientific studies, that sort of thing. And, you know, they tell you where the myths came from and and everything. Well, now there's a new one. And according to the AP, using marijuana seems to increase the chance of becoming psychotic. Researchers reported in an analysis of past research that reignites the issue of whether pot is dangerous. Now, remember, the, the most recent claim by the government is that, look out, parents. Marijuana isn't like it was in the 1970s. Marijuana today is more powerful than it ever has been in the past. And they're trying to scare people because it's better pot today, which may or may not be true. They're going based on DEA statistics, which, you know, they weren't collecting those statistics very accurately in the early days. There wasn't a DEA. Anybody who was a hippie in the late 60s, early 70s will tell you that there was some really good dope back then, too. Uh, so I don't know if I necessarily believe them, but even if it's true what they're saying, all that means is is you need less to smoke. If the marijuana is twice as good as it was 20 years ago, you only have to smoke half as much.
2: Right. So now instead of taking uh, three puffs or four puffs like they would today, they would have at that time they would have smoked two or three joints to get as high.
1: Exactly, but the,
3: when you purchase marijuana or when you smoke marijuana, there's different qualities of marijuana. When you smoke a lower quality of marijuana, you smoke more of it to get high. When you smoke a higher quality, you smoke less. So it's silly to assume. I mean, it's just and the effects of being high comes. I mean, pretty quickly. So at a point in time, usually you end up putting it down and just saying, "Whoa, I'm I've high had enough." Yeah,
1: yeah. And in fact. <laughs> As an aside, I was looking at the uh, the Amazon statistics. I was going to say if you vaporize the marijuana, you actually get even more THC. So why isn't the uh, the government and the DEA out there railing against all these vaporizers that are being sold in this country nowadays? Well, they're, they're far more popular than they used to They're kind at be.
3: figuring things out. It That's usually true. takes them a while. So in five years, they'll probably put out an article that says, oh my goodness, vaporizers everywhere when everybody knows that they've been around for years.
1: Right. They're safer. You, you aren't actually inhaling smoke. You're inhaling vapor. Tastier. It's uh, it makes it taste better, and it's uh, it's it's commonly used in Canada and California, the places where you know the medical aspect is more uh, more appropriate. Because if you're using it for medical purposes, it just makes more sense to uh, vaporize as opposed to putting carbon uh, monoxide in your lungs.
3: I was actually in Canada recently, and I went to a coffee house that had vaporizers all throughout it, and people were vaping marijuana.
1: You actually had a uh, you actually had a milkshake, didn't yes,
3: you? Yeah, a thirteen dollar milkshake. <laughs>
1: It was a special milkshake. It was. Uh, So, well, my aside was I was looking at the statistics from our May sales on Mm -hmm. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Again, I can't look and see who ordered what, but I can see what was ordered. So I like to organize by highest price just to see what sort of high-dollar items have been sold in the month. And, like, somebody bought a laptop and, you know, some high-ticket sort of electronic products. And Mm -hmm. somebody bought a vaporizer through Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) They bought a $400 volcano vaporizer through Amazon. So We've got a nice little cut of that, so I, I just want to give that some appreciation to whoever it was that did that. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Anyway, the new claim is that the new review suggests it's even infrequent use. The infrequent use of marijuana could raise the small but real risk of this serious mental illness, that is psycho- uh, psychosis, by 40%.
3: When they make claims like this, I wonder where they're getting their information from and how they're blowing this out of proportion. Yeah. Because when they talk about the amount of people that are in drug rehab, for example, for marijuana... Mm-hmm. If they cite these numbers about how the most It's been going up. Yeah, exactly. But it's really because the government forces people to go into <laughs> yep. rehab. So and I so wonder how they're distorting these.
2: Are the drug rehabs now calling people psychotic that wouldn't be psychotic cuz right. I know that um you they, know they're they're jamming people in there and and that these drug rehabs have to stay in business. It's their business to rehab people. You have so to you're be messed up in order for them to rehab you.
1: So you're suggesting they're labeling people as psychotic maybe to get some sort of government grant? I, or I'm only ADHD? wondering.
3: Remember when they started labeling everybody? Was it ADD or ADHD? Both. both. Same idea.
1: Doctors have long suspected a connection and say the latest findings underline the need to highlight marijuana's long-term risks. The research paid for by the British Health Department is being published Friday in the journal The Lancet. The available evidence now suggests that cannabis is not as harmless as many people think, said Dr. Stanley Zamet, one of the study's authors and a lecturer at uh, some university. The researchers said they couldn't prove that marijuana use itself increases the risk of psychosis, a category of several disorders with schizophrenia being the most commonly known. There could be something else about marijuana users, like their tendency to use other drugs or certain personality traits that could be causing the psychosis. Ah, So it's not necessarily marijuana. In fact, the guy's even admitting that they couldn't really even nail it down to marijuana. So all they can really do is say that it could raise the very small but real risk of serious mental illness by 40%.
3: But people see the headlines and they freak out.
1: Marijuana is the most frequently used illegal uh, legal substance in many countries, including the United Kingdom and the United States. About 20% of young adults report using it at least once a week. That's one out of five young adults who admit to it, which means there's probably more than that. How many more? And that's at least once a week. Zammet and colleagues from the University of Bristol uh, examined 35 studies that track tens of thousands of people for periods ranging from one year to 27 years to examine the effect of marijuana on mental health. They looked for psychotic illnesses as well as cognitive disorders including delusions and hallucinations, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, neurosis, and suicidal tendencies. They found that marijuana, the people who used marijuana, had a roughly 40% higher chance of developing a psychotic disorder later in life. The overall risk remains very low. We'll give you a little bit more on this case here in a moment. I want to hear from you as to your thoughts. Are you anti-pot? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll free, 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. That's 800 259 9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, those features do include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to uh, shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com.
2: As the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add and add the right precious metal st- mining stocks to your portfolio. That's
1: d2z.org. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. To the phone, we're talking about the new propaganda out about marijuana. They're claiming that it could increase your chance of getting psychosis, though they are admitting that the risk is very, 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 very small. Uh, let's go to the phones. Talk to David in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, David. Howdy. Hey, David. What's up? Hey,
11: uh, they don't tell you that these people are probably using it with alcohol and that then they blame it on the pot, you know.
1: Yes, they they admit that Everybody
11: knows you don't mix alcohol and pot. You're an idiot if you do.
3: Well, Um, I strongly disagree with that statement, and I I seriously drink alcohol once a year, if that.
1: Why 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 do you say that, David?
11: No, I'm just saying that they're probably... Saying because when you mix alcohol and and marijuana it it intensifies the alcohol, and everybody blames the marijuana, but it really isn't it's the alcohol that's mixed but uh yeah, as I understand
1: that, it, it's probably not a good idea to operate a moving vehicle if you've uh, if you've mixed those two together but uh the marijuana high part, well anything
11: the getting high part of uh cannabis is minuscule that's not the reason why it's against the law. It's against the law because it will challenge the the textile industry, the soybean industry, the cottonseed oil industry. Uh, It's so much superior than all of these uh, wheat. It's more nutritious than wheat. It's the most nutritious food known to mankind.
1: I don't know if that's the case i mean it's no got it some is omegas it, it is that.
11: it's a it's proven fact you it's it's known it's 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 truth
1: nonetheless uh, i mean whether or not you're exaggerating you are stupid. i'm not
11: exaggerating this it has over twenty five thousand uses mercedes benz as we speak build their fine quality cars with cannabinoids used in plastics and fillers and epoxies for the body interesting it it this plant It will challenge every monopoly that's going on right now, and it could be—it's non-GMO. It's one of the last things to be untouched by GMO. And as we speak, the seed of the North American plant that adapted here during the Civil War, when we grew it, during World War II, when we grew it, uh, is is being wasted. The seed
1: yeah, that's true. Saved. It needs to be legal, and people need to be able to sell right, and right. buy this, and make products from it. Be
11: able, this is a, we, we live in a country that are, we're given unalienable rights, and one of them is farming. And to put a prohibition against this plant is a sacrilege to freedom, it's inhumane. to God, yeah. to, to anything that is good. To shoot people. These guys on the border shooting people over plants. These people are are and over a plant. It, it's just insanity. David, thank you for the call. Well,
1: I agree. I agree completely. And thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I don't know if he's exaggerating on the whole claim that it's the most healthy food in the world. But, Who knows? Uh, but he is right that the reason marijuana was originally made illegal wasn't because it, people were getting high. It's because... The industries were threatened by it. Uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was a major newspaper magnate back then, was he had investments in forests. yeah, And he wasn't interested in having hemp paper be a competitor to him. Also, DuPont was heavily invested in textiles and that sort of thing, and uh, they weren't interested in having hemp products uh, competing with their products. So it was a political... M- moving um, but political machinations mach- uh, machinations that were uh, resulted in marijuana being made illegal they used the getting high thing as the excuse for it they pointed to the negroes and the mexicans uh and you know they tried to make it look like this was the most evil plant in the world when in fact uh, that's just not the case anyway back to the uh, the outrageous claims here the scientists We're doing studies on on whether or not marijuana increases psychosis. They said the risk of developing schizophrenia for most people is less than 1%. The prevalence of schizophrenia is believed to be about 5 in 1,000 people. But because of the drug's wide popularity, the researchers estimate that about 800 new cases of psychosis could be prevented by reducing marijuana use. The scientists found more disturbing outlook for heavy users of pot. Those who used it daily or weekly, their risk for psychosis jumped to a range of 50% to 200%. One doctor noted that people with a history of mental illness in their families could be at higher risk. For them, marijuana use... What a surprise could unmask the underlying schizophrenia. You know, the fact is, there are millions upon millions of marijuana users around the the country and the world, and if there really was an increased risk of psychosis from smoking marijuana, certainly there would be some more concrete cases that one could point to. But there's not. Even the doctors in this case are admitting that even while this article goes on to trash marijuana um, by the study... They've admitted already that there are other factors that they didn't necessarily take into account, that they couldn't necessarily account for. Like, oh, I don't know, whether the marijuana user smoked some meth, you know, that might cause some hallucinations. I remember reading a story about a meth smoker who, once you when you start smoking meth, it seems like it's a good thing because you can get stuff done. It's, uh, it's speed, basically, right. and you go yeah. around and clean your house insanely. Um, And then you keep smoking meth, and then all of a sudden, black clouds start following you around (laughs) and speaking to you. So, you know, there's a certain point at which... (laughs) Speed kills. Yeah, the meth goes, you know, pushes you over the edge, and that's pretty confirmed at this point. So, the study's kind of shoddy, but nonetheless, ABC News or the AP has managed to write a full three-page article about it, um, indicating that there's an increased risk.
3: Most people probably will not read the article. They'll just... See the headline all over the place because if you Google the word marijuana right now, that's mm-hmm. what comes up. So they'll see the headline all over the place and
1: oh, marijuana's bad. I knew it. I knew it the whole time. You need to stop. You need to stop your smoking of this thing. No, there are so many people. There are people right now listening to my voice, lighting up their nightly marijuana cigarette or uh, marijuana bowl or bong or vaporizer or whatever, and uh, they do it. Just like people drink alcohol. I mean, drinking alcohol increases your chances of becoming an alcoholic. And, you know, we don't have a huge campaign out there of cops kicking in people's doors to try to prevent them from becoming alcoholics. Yeah, I don't know how many people become psychotic from smoking marijuana, but I
2: must say that uh, it's probably comparable to the amount of people that die from alcohol just
1: alcohol toxicity just sure. drinking too much alcohol there may be more people that die from uh, from drinking alcohol than people becoming psychotic and over i would say
2: that we can solve the the alcohol toxicity problem to some extent or another simply by getting rid of the drinking age
1: that's true 800-259-9231 are you somebody that loves this story somebody that's an anti-pot drug warrior I know there's got to be somebody out there. want to hear from you. 800-259-9231, or you can bring up whatever's on your mind. We've got Frank and Andy, but ladies, your calls come first if you make them. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and those features include the bulletin board system. We've got over a quarter of a million posts for you to surf around through serious issues and fun stuff, all there for free at bbs.freetalklive.com.
3: Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org.
1: As we go to the phones and to the fun, Steve in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Steve. Steve in Montana going once. Yes, sir. Hi, Steve. Yeah,
9: I was uh, tuned into the program tonight and... uh, wanted to give you a call. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Good yeah. Show.
1: Thanks for calling. We'll um, have your mind.
9: I guess my comment is uh, whenever there's an accident, it seems, uh, and it issues with the road, that alcohol always seems to be a factor. Uh, and it's you read common. that. Yeah, and uh, it seems that a lot of fatalities on the road are due to accident or, or alcohol related. But I never read in the paper, another marijuana smoker kills five. (laughs) And how is it that you never read that? Right. If indeed uh,
1: it's a problem, there would be stories everywhere, but they just can't find them.
9: Yeah, and it's funny how they uh, still allow alcohol uh, to be sold, and and, uh, they don't put the pressure on it like they do marijuana. But marijuana doesn't kill on the road like alcohol.
1: Well, now, not well, to suggest that they should prohibit alcohol. No, We've I tried that once. That's a bad idea. We just need to stop the prohibition of everything else. In fact, I remember the last, since you bring it up, the last story I ever saw that involved marijuana and a car accident was a bus driver that had been, I don't know, he'd smoked some marijuana, and they found marijuana in his system. But And, and the headline of the article was about how the oh bus driver crashes, driver on high on marijuana well, he wasn't high on the marijuana. It was just in his system. And also in his system, they found the remnants of Vicodin, hydrocodone. He was taking prescription narcotics that he didn't necessarily have a prescription for as well. So nice. if you ever do find marijuana mentioned in the news in that way, you'll also notice it's never alone. There's always something else that uh, that they were taking that could have very easily made them drowsy and that sort of thing.
9: I have to agree. So you hear about one incident, but how many... Uh, hundreds of thousands are there relate uh, alcohol related.
1: Oh yeah, Daily.
9: versus one marijuana incident. Yep,
1: you're okay, absolutely right. That's my right. comment. And thank you for the call. We appreciate yeah. hearing from you, Steve. 800-259-9231. Not to rec I'm not recommending that people drive while they're stoned. I'm nope. not recommending it, but the fact is people do it every day in America safely and uh and they do it uh, it's just not as dangerous as alcohol. I'm not saying it's safe, but it's not as dangerous.
2: I don't smoke marijuana. My uh, wife is a former uh, drug treatment counselor, and, and she thinks it's bad. So uh, you have smoked it. I, I certainly have smoked it. Um, but you know, when when it comes to you know reading domestic violence stories, alcohol is often involved in uh, somebody's indiscretions and in, uh, you know hitting their spouse with something sometimes. Almost never marijuana you never hear you never hear stories about somebody smoking a joint and
1: beating their wife well you were there at the um at the hearing here in New Hampshire where the law enforcement against prohibition officers, one of them Bradley Jardis here in New Hampshire, got up and spoke in front of this you know panel of elected officials mm-hmm. uh, about marijuana and his experiences as a cop on the beat and he he made that reference he said that when he got called to domestic violence calls, Almost all of the time it was uh, it was alcohol. And if yep. it wasn't alcohol, it was just somebody getting angry. Um, never, never had he been called to a domestic violence incident where the people had just finished smoking a joint.
3: If I get done smoking a joint, I feel good. I don't feel angry or like I want to beat somebody or I don't know. I don't really get that. And when I'm – I don't drink alcohol often at all. But when I'm with people on alcohol, uh, I see a lot of anger and spikes spring up. Yeah,
1: yeah. 800 259 to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Frank hey. in New York.
0: Hello. Good evening. Hi. Uh, yeah, I wanted to make a couple comments, just two points really. One, the decline of the video arcade parallels <laughs> the decline of the little independent cinema with the advent of the video cassette recorder and the pre recorded videotapes and the local video stores that would rent movies uh, to the consumers. The same thing occurred with the adult entertainment industry uh, with the movie theaters. Uh, the VCR and the DVD literally, uh, over a 10-year period, made that industry almost non-existent, yeah, it destroyed whereby it. everyone could watch adult material without having to go to the CD movie theater. <laughs> and
1: this would
0: be the trend with you know the entertainment technologies, just as the M... Uh, P3 has uh, transformed the notion of the uh, audio compact cassette, or the uh, even the DVD, even the CD mm. uh, for audio. Uh, you'll notice that most of the sales now, with regard to downloads, and the musicians are releasing MP3s as well as you know the uh, uh, CDs. So, in a sense, the technology has these inevitable displacements that you know seem to be inevitable as progress continues but regarding marijuana i wanted to mention that even queen victoria according to her uh, the diaries of her uh, private physician smoked marijuana monthly to uh, wow. uh, alleviate the pains of her monthly periods interesting and doctors used marijuana in the 19th century and you know people smoked it virtually all over the world without any Major problems, but again, I think the reason why it was made illegal in this country uh, was primarily due to the fact that with the birth of organized crime, uh, things that used to be very normal and natural were deemed to be illegal, and then you could have sort of like an underground economy or an organized crime kind of. uh, So, do you think organized crime? Do you you think
2: organized crime? um, You know, managed to use their inroads into the. legislative process to get things oh, absolutely. made
0: illegal? Absolutely. You'll notice that basically you had, regarding prohibition, it was really the organized crime and the little Christian women Sunday uh, cotillions. Yeah, that, the, you know, the, the
2: temperance leagues.
0: Correct. That actually influenced that. But what I wanted to say about marijuana is that, you know, doctors have found all over the world, and most especially in Scandinavia, regarding using it to alleviate the symptoms and the nausea associated with cancer and chemo radiation mm-hmm. therapies, uh, the combined therapies that uh, have been so devastating to so many individuals that undergo the regimes uh, of treatment. And, you know, to not allow individuals to use it for medical purposes is utterly absurd.
1: It's, it's inhumane, is what it, it is. It really is. I it's, think you
0: could make that case.
1: It's outrageous.
0: But, but I will say this. I have a feeling that... Uh, after the 1960s uh, approach to sort of turning on the whole worldwide generation with uh, hemp and cannabis and things, uh, that those in political power didn't like the fact that individuals could sort of tune out even temporarily and sort of uh, go into their own space, think about themselves within the structure of society, because that would allow, I think, for an internal freedom, as Timothy Le- Leary would say, an internal freedom uh, that is deemed most dangerous to the politicians and you know government officials and those that are in you know a regime of control.
1: I think you're right about that, and uh, thank you for the call, Frank. And well analyzed. Really enjoyed the uh, the analogies there uh, between the arcades and the other things, other technologies. But w- I-, I think that might have been a factor. You know, the idea that. We've talked about on this show before how the government education system is designed to dumb people down. It's designed to to crank out the sort of thoughtless uh, people that will just work a job. They'll never question their position in society. They'll never question authority and that sort of thing. Maybe one of the reasons why they've made marijuana and other drugs illegal is because of the sort of mind-opening aspects to them. Maybe they're concerned that if people do these drugs, they may be more likely to question their circumstances. They may make uh, different connections that they might not have normally made in their sober states, in their uh, in their non-altered states. Do you think that's a possibility? I don't know. It's, it sounds like a bit of a stretch to me.
3: Really? I don't really think it's so much of a stretch. I mean, that's basically what started it for me. Of course that it for ha- me too. It has to do with it being illegal. Just as
2: many people come up with some socialist
1: uh, uh, utopia by smoking pot. Too. That's true. I Eight, understand. That's true. 800-259-9231. You chime in uh, if you want on whatever you want. This is Free Talk
0: Live. Sneak to Free Talk Live. Call toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231 and log on at freetalklive.com.
1: This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Only moments remain, however, but just enough time for you to take control of the airwaves. Toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the website. They're totally free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop at our store. That's store.freetalklive.com. We bought all kinds of great Free Talk Live branded merchandise and even some merchandise that's just original, uh, an original design. The Free Marketeer logo, completely original, doesn't even have the Free Talk Live logo on it. It's just cool, so we wanted to sell it at store.freetalklive.com. Let's continue with the phone calls. Go to the amplifier line. Talk to Ryan in Texas. Hello, Ryan.
5: Hey, guys. I'm sure you all have heard the axiom that correlation does not equal causation.
1: What does that mean?
5: Well, like this marijuana study. All they're saying is they found a correlation between psychosis and marijuana use. Now, it being a government-funded survey, they decided to determine that marijuana use causes psychosis. But as it's been proven time and time again, psychotic people are much less likely to defer to authority figures, right?
2: Right, and likely to want to medicate themselves.
5: You don't even have to think about the self-medication part. Okay, someone who is psychotic is much less likely to listen to an authority figure say, marijuana's bad. Mm -hmm. So it's a much more logical conclusion to go to that psychosis causes higher marijuana use, not the other way around.
1: I see. So if you have psychosis, because you're anti-authoritarian as a result, or more likely to be anti-authoritarian, you're also more likely to break the laws in regards to drugs.
5: Absolutely. And this being a government-funded study, they just make sure and reverse that and come to the conclusion that they want. That's why we should not have any government-funded science, medicine, anything like that, because of things like this.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It was paid for by the British Health Department, in fact, um, and they, they aren't saying it directly causes it. You know, they're careful not to say that. Um, they are saying that it increases the very small risk of serious mental illness. So, no,
5: that's just a correlation. It doesn't increase the one does not increase the risk of other. They're just finding that a high rate on in this group also means a high rate in this group. Now, if you're going to argue cause then the more likely cause
1: is the reverse. Right. It's sort of like looking at a bunch of motorcycle riders and, uh, you know, determining that, well, these guys have all driven in cars, so therefore riding in a car leads to uh, riding on a motorcycle at some point.
5: Or a better way to look at it is, you know, more red cars are in wrecks than any other color (laughs) because there are more red cars on the road.
1: There you go. Great point. Thank you for bringing it up, Ryan. Any other thoughts? That's it. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'm
2: just wondering if uh, people that would uh, want a red car would be more likely to drive a little, little faster, a little faster, a little, a little more crazy, recklessly. T- t- take a little, few more chances. I'm just comparing that to say beige cars or white cars. I've could, got a red car. It could very well be the case. You uh, got a red
1: car because it was <laughs> it fits I your would criteria.
3: I'd rather have a blue car. Right. I
1: don't know. Does maroon count as red?
3: It's not really mar- maroon, though. No? It's brighter than maroon. It's maroon. Yeah, I hate maroon.
1: <laughs> Look, for all the pe- uh, as a person with a red car, you've got a maroon car.
3: No, it's not fire engine red, but right. it's not maroon. No one
1: knows what your car looks like. Let's go to the phones and talk to Andy in Arkansas. You're on Free Talk Live, Andy. What's on your mind?
5: Hey, uh, you were talking about the North American Union earlier as compared to the European Union.
1: We were? I think okay. we mentioned it in the past few shows. Yes, what's on your mind?
5: Yeah. They, uh The thing with the uh, North American – or the uh, European Union, rather, is that they have their fiat currency, the euro, just like the federal government has their fiat currency, Mm -hmm. the dollar. And the European – the euro, though, hasn't had nearly as bad inflation over the past few years as the dollar. Do you know why that is?
1: They're not printing as much?
5: Their uh, individual governments in the European Union can't pressure them to print more to cover their uh, budget sur- sh- uh, shortfall Ooh, the way the federal government can here.
1: Oh. See? I see. The, so, uh, since, it's, since it's a central currency feeding multiple governments, no one government necessarily has uh, the reins, is what you're saying. Yeah, right. or the, the international bankers.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, but... They don't care if the government can't
5: come through on its promises.
1: Right, right. Still not necessarily a great idea, but uh, but interesting uh, distinction nonetheless. Any other thoughts for us?
5: Uh, yeah, the only uh, psychosis I've ever known by someone smoking pot is that now they listen to your show every night.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Oh my goodness! You know what? Uh, just just the, uh, the the people that don't understand marijuana it's always just amazing and i i know they're out there we've encountered them occasionally in the past on this show
3: i think that people people like that they're very uncomfortable talking about marijuana they don't even like to say or hear the word It's supposed to go away right so it's not gonna (laughs) i don't i just don't think they want to talk about it
1: not only has it not gone away it's gotten more popular over the years Marijuana is far more popular now than it ever was in 1937 or whenever the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act was passed. Right. And the reason why it's more popular is because someone told the people not to do it. That's how I am. I am somebody who you tell me not to do something, I want to know why. What is it I'm missing out on? Why are you telling me not to do this? Oh, you don't want to tell me? Oh, it's bad, is it? Well, I'm going to go find out for myself. And I'm going to go research it and I'm going to go learn more about it. And maybe even try it.
3: What bo- what really bothers me about the government, at least in government schools, really propagating the idea that marijuana is this terrible thing is they 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 almost make it out to be worse than heroin. And those sorts of drugs, they really, really push marijuana. It's really a war on marijuana.
1: You're right about that. Um, what is it? The statistics, 750,000 plus people arrested for marijuana every year versus about 750,000 people arrested for every other drug combined? Right. So
3: then, it's when, people, find, when teenagers who don't have never had access to real information on drugs smoke marijuana a couple times, realize it's not so bad, maybe they'll try something else that really is bad for you, like meth or heroin. Or I mean, not that I think a lot of teenagers really get into that sort of thing so early,
1: uh, but not not a lot do, but some but do. But
3: some do, and I mean,
1: because marijuana sold in concert with those right.
3: drugs. Right. Even worse, it, it's really, really glorified as this horrible, horrible thing. I didn't. I didn't get any education really on heroin. They didn't really talk about that. They talked about marijuana.
1: Yep, that's true. Um, and something else that bugs me is just the general attitude of the press towards marijuana. It's like they've bought into all of the stereotypes about marijuana smokers and they utilize those stereotypes in their reporting. Just as an example of this, the headline on the ABC News story, not the not the actual editorial, uh, not the editor, I guess editorial is not the right word, but the 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 headline on the article is, Marijuana May Increase Psychosis Risk. But at the top of the page, the alternative headline is, Bummer, Marijuana May Up Psychosis Risk. Just that sort of... Bummer, Snide, uh, yeah, look-down-your-nose sound of that. <laughs> You're just a bunch of potheads. What do you know? You know you look at that bummer. You know, just kind of making fun of pot smokers, as though all marijuana smokers are of the uh, couched variety losers that never do anything with <laughs> Wait, their lives.
3: The couched variety of losers? They were losers before they started smoking marijuana. They just...
1: I think that's smoking a really important
3: point. Smoking marijuana isn't going to make you not a loser if you're already a loser. No, it's
1: certainly not going to perk you up and make you do better in school. I think that's a a really critical point because I remember when I was growing up and you know, a relatively new marijuana smoker, I was sort of inculcated by popular culture and the government with these ideas, this stereotypical uh, view of the marijuana smoker. And I still had those uh, concepts in my mind, and I had to to defeat them. And I think that one of the things that really helped me defeat that was that my mentor in this business, the radio business, uh, Bob Garrett, the guy I worked with at the rock station down in Florida, who really taught me the ways of uh, the business, he was a marijuana smoker. And I saw that he'd been smoking it for years and He was very productive. He was, uh, you know, the afternoon drive host on the radio station. And by the way, don't ever test a radio station for drug use. You'll lose 99% of the staff.
3: Radio and restaurants.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a lot of industries, there's just an incredible amount of uh, drug users. But, But the fact that somebody who was successful, I think he was the first successful marijuana smoker that I met because at that point I was 17 years old the only other marijuana smokers I knew of were my friends and they're in high school so you can't label them successful they're just kids right so when I first came across this guy I was pretty impressed by that and you know, it made me realize that huh Maybe they lied about the types of people that smoke marijuana too. Not only did they lie about marijuana, but they lied about the people that utilize it.
2: I'm not sure. I'm not sure that uh, afternoon drive host on a rock and roll station in the uh, 80th market in the United States is my yardstick for uh, success.
1: Well, well he, he
3: wasn't sitting on the couch all day. Yeah, he, he was
1: wasn't just... a loser on welfare. I'm He's just, you know rock and roll station. He was paying his bills and I'm sure um, he was and he knew his stuff you know he was a talented host he's hosting mornings down uh, in florida now oh there's no doubt that he's uh, he's uh, moved up right
3: it's very interesting as you get older and you start meeting more people coming out of the closet for marijuana smoking and you start to realize just how many people and what professions smoke marijuana
1: i've i've met lawyers i've met nurses i've met all Federal sorts of agents. i've met DEA agents yep yep it's the smoke truth pot. It is the truth, and I think that's a really critical factor, Julia, is the coming out of the closet. If more people would have the courage to do that, I think drug prohibition would be over real quick. We'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com.